Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matt Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff, 10 a.m. podcast recording time. We're getting getting in the getting in the mood, getting in the rhythm already for this early kickoff. Like I told everybody at the end of the last one, Matty B, tomorrow morning you've got to be up and at him at like 6 a.m. You need to do all your packing the night before. Um, this right here is just training grounds for us. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., we'll already be seated in the press box, mm-hmm. be watching warm-ups. Uh, we'll be interesting. I'm um I'm I'm in I'm excited. I'll say this. Well, because I have to work, everybody else just gets to party. So y'all can be upset about having to party early. I'm excited that we don't have to leave work at one in the morning or whatever, that I get to go home and now watch a full day of afternoon football, of evening football, and if LSU wins, then it'll be uh, an enjoyable message board to uh, to hang out on and conversate with fans. So uh, I'm actually not mad about the 11 a.m. kick, kick Maddie B. And I'm, you're, I'm you're a North Texas grad. Y'all, y'all kick off probably 8 a.m. sometimes, just trying to catch a t- TV time slot. 8 a.m. <laughs> uh, Bill, uh, Billy's SMU team was playing Wednesday night. I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah, man. Poor Billy over there. Had to For those yeah, those that don't know that are podcast followers of us, Maddie B's a North Texas grad. Billy's an SMU grad. And Billy, uh, who cheers to Billy, they uh, he and his wife uh, closed on their first home this week. So I know he's excited about that. But he was not excited. Boy, did SMU get taken to the woodshed on Wednesday. Yikes. Man, and that's been your I, SMU uh, update today. Now everybody knows. Yeah, there's your SMU update. Uh, meanwhile, uh, North Texas North Texas won this weekend. So 3-3 three and three on the week, on the year for North Texas. So, um, But yeah, LSU, Tennessee, Shay. Obviously, this has... A lot of hype around it. Top 25 matchup now that LSU's in the top 25. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 25. they snuck in there, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know who. Uh, I'm glad glad somebody pulled the strings and got them at 25. But, yeah. That was just 20... so the graphics could both say stay exactly. ranked and more people stop exactly. on that station when they're watching. Exactly. Well, it's so, going heads up with the Red River rivalry. Oh, yeah. So, That's true. Well, you know the Red Which River more rivalry. intriguing. Oh, you sucks oh, right now. So yeah, Texas, Texas, Oklahoma is a matchup between two unranked teams, Shay. So I can't even, you know, don't even acknowledge them. I don't acknowledge anyone that's not ranked in in week five of the season. Um, but we have. Let's start with the injury report, and then we'll get into our our thoughts real quickly. Um, Armani Goodwin still sidelined with the hamstring. Major Burns still sidelined with a the back slash neck um, injury. Um, Mason Smith obviously out for the year. Chris Hilton was announced out for the year with a shoulder, uh, had uh, had shoulder surgery, expected to be back for the spring, which is kind of why they wanted to get it done now, have him ready for next year. But that puts them down to basically six scholarship receivers. I mean, you have Landon Ibieta, but Ibieta has not suited up to this point, or at least hasn't played to this point. So six or seven scholarship receivers. Um, you know, the running back room is down to three. Running backs with Williams and Emery still. Um, Fouché start, played his first game last week. I thought he was fine, but, you know, still got Fouché and Ward back there at safety. So, I'm sorry, Fouché and Brooks at safety. So, where are you at with the injury report? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I guess we should add that if you missed it this week, Seven Banks did just have some bruising on a spinal yes. cord, which Brian Kelly said was great news that 
it's a similar injury to major burns, but it'll keep him out four or five weeks. But it obviously um, that could have been a lot worse. So really good news there. Um, two reactions. One, I set it all off season. LSU didn't LSU does not have a lot of depth at receiver. They have a lot of talent at receiver, but a normal college roster carries double digit scholarship players at receiver. You're down to, as you said, IBAD has been battling kind of concussion protocol and getting through all that across the first month of the season. And now Hilton's out down to six. That's not a lot. And it, yes, like Ibietta is a guy who could have taken a red shirt and Hilton was a guy that was playing kind of behind a lot of the starters. But I thought that Hilton has shown that he can take the top off a of defense and it gives you a different element than the rest of the guys do in my mind. So I thought he was going to work his way into more snaps moving forward. So I hate it for him. He's been banged up a couple of times too. It yeah. just stinks for uh, his development and progress. But um, that is something I'm monitoring. It's just like running back. Like you can't afford to have anybody else go down now. Like you're already pushing it razor thin with your depth. Uh, but I don't think it's the end of the world for this game. The Garrett Dellinger news, Matty B yeah. is super interesting to me because He's a starter for them on the O-line. He had surgery two weeks ago on his hand. He got a screw put in. They said it was minor. But more or less, what, Matty B, you were there. Brian Kelly said that he got the cast molded to his hand, and he's looking yeah. good in practice, so they're going to play him. If we have any former O-linemen or O-line coaches listen to the pod that are on the board, they can weigh in with some reaction to this. But I just don't know, like, D-linemen play with clubs on their hand all the time from breaking something. Like, I don't know how often that happens with O-line or how much you're hindered by it. So I guess I was a little surprised to hear Brian Kelly almost insinuate that he would start. That was yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what I got from it. It's uh, Yeah, I forgot to mention Dellinger. But, yeah, Dellinger obviously missed last week's game. Uh, expected to play, if not start. Uh, Kelly didn't commit to that, but he said he's – good to go he said he's practiced the entire week got the the hand the, cl the club on his hand he's he's ready to go um and club might be an exaggeration i don't know exactly how tight you know it is to his hand but it's pretty clear if he didn't have a cast on his hand there would be some uncertainty as far as the dexterity in his hand goes so that's gonna be an, an interesting aspect I, I think they probably start him and then kind of go from there if they need to put bradford in if they need to put Tremont Shorts in, whoever at the guard position. I think that's probably where they go. But the hope is Dellinger's good to go and can play. I mean, is Dellinger with one hand better than Anthony Bradford and Tremont Shorts with two? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I guess we'll find out on, on Saturday. And that might be a little bit hyperbole, but you get, you get what I'm saying. I got it. All right. Not literally. Um, one hand in <laughs> right. a club. Yeah, one hand in a club. There you go. So, however that works. Um, but all right, uh, as far as this game goes, I mean, I, I wrote those analysis pieces early in the week. We've obviously watched Tennessee and we watched LSU play before. We kind of know what we're getting here. One of the fastest teams, one of the best offenses in the country in Tennessee uh, against, in my opinion, one of the better defenses in the country in LSU and an offense that is kind of piecing it together in LSU. So what are you looking forward to, to watching on, on Saturday morning? Well, the bang for your buck TV is Ella's Tennessee's offense versus LSU's defense. LSU's defense is obviously playing at a higher level than any other unit on the team, and Tennessee's offense is doing the same for them. Um, 
what read out shout out that old uh bill martin the old uh, lsu assistant sid lake charles native shout out to all the lake chuck people he was at state as an sid and now runs things up at tennessee he had tweeted something that kind of drives home exactly what this yeah. tennessee offense is about yeah um again uh from bill martin uh their tennessee's offense is first in point points per minute third in place per minute second in scoring posi- scoring percentage of possessions second in points per possession and fifth in yards per play so not only are they fast but they've been very efficient as well and this is the this is the Bryles offense. This is the Levy offense from when they were at UCF together. Yeah. I mean, at, when LSU was facing Ole Miss the past couple of years, like that's what you're going to watch come Saturday with Tennessee when Levy was at Ole Miss. So it's not foreign to fans, like in a number of players on the team. Like they've played this type of offense very fast-paced before. I'm most curious how it affects LSU personnel-wise. Like because when you move fast and when you're going nonstop – the defense is not – you can't just keep subbing guys yeah, in and out fine. or get into different packages. So uh, Matt House, the defense coordinator at LSU, certainly knows that. They've done a good job so far on defense, adjusting both in-game and at halftime. They have absolutely shut teams down, kind of Auburn and State specifically in the SEC, shut them down from kind of the mid-second quarter on, second half for sure. So we know they can adjust on the fly. I'm just curious. It's almost like this is a game, Maddie B, for me, where because of how fast Tennessee will want to move, it's going to be a lot more of the same guys on the field kind of for the whole stretch than kind of moving in and out with rotational packages. And I'm curious for Matt House what that means. Like, that's a lot of Baskerville. That's a lot of Perkins. That's a lot of, um, you know, whomever is kind of they deem to be their pass coverage guys. They especially i think that's a great point because especially at linebacker they love to sub those guys out they love to change to their dime packages with baskerville their aggressive packages with perkins their uh you know their base with um with pin and and perkins so that's going to be the interesting thing is how they sub at linebacker how who even starts at linebacker because if you if the offense doesn't sub and there are times where they really go stretches without subbing the defense can't really get on and off the field um, at all. So that's going to be probably the biggest thing is how they handle this pace. Mississippi State played with some pace, and Brian Kelly talked about that a little bit yesterday uh, in his presser, but this is a different level, and it's also just a different different offense in, in total. So with that being the case, I, 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 I still believe in LSU's defense, I mean, as a whole, because of – the defensive line because of the veterans they have in the back end and because of their adaptability it seems like as the season has has gone on and as games go on but this is an offense that they haven't seen before and holding them to you know less than 30 points is going to be a a very very tall task so um from that perspective i i agree i think that matchup is what's going to have a lot of fans in the seats eyes on the television but real quick i i did a little story on the on the on the Tennessee defense, and I was actually quite impressed with how they played against Florida and Pitt for the most part, especially the Florida game where they basically shut down the run game of, of the Gators. So if LSU can't run the ball effectively, obviously that puts more pressure on Jaden Daniels' arm. And while uh, Tennessee has been a pretty porous uh, pass defense, still asking Daniels to deliver the ball um, 
on time, on target, you know, deep shots in a lot of situations is going to probably uh, decide how well LSU's offense runs on Saturday. Uh, yeah, and a note here uh, for those just kind of wondering if you haven't watched Tennessee. Uh, they opened the year with Ball State. They scored 59. Then they played Pitt, who was ranked at the time. They scored 34. Uh, that game went to overtime. Uh, yeah. Then they played Akron, scored 63. Then they played Florida, scored 38. Then they were on bye this past week. So you kind of get a sense there of the numbers they can put up offensively. But the two teams they played with a pulse scored 27 and 33. So there is some give and take there of being able to score back on Tennessee's defense. But uh, as you noted, 30 points seems like a benchmark for what Tennessee at least will score against two very, you know, two solid teams in Pitt and Florida. If LSU's defense is better than that, they can keep them under 30. That's impressive. But then again, that means LSU has to score 30. And that's a tall task, at least it would seem out of the gates. Um, But it's, that's my matchup. It's the offense versus LSU's defense. And we'll see offensively for LSU, what they can do against the Tennessee defense that, yeah, you want to run the ball and all that, but everyone's talking about the passing game right now. Tennessee's not good at defending the pass. In fact, they're one of the worst in the country. And LSU is now earlier in the week coming off a game where what Maddie B, they completed like five yards of passes in the second half against. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm being dead serious. It wasn't no, five. Yeah. I mean, it was 80 it was... total in the game. So what, Monday, Jaden Daniels called a meeting with the receivers and Malik Neighbors said that went great. And Daniel said it went great. And anyone who's watching and has kind of listened to our podcast and has paid attention a little bit more than the surface level knows that there's blame to go around to the receivers and the quarterback and everybody. So um, you hear players only meeting and, and you kind of wonder what that means. And I think it's just those guys saying, Hey, look, we've got to all be better. And Daniel saying probably a lot of Daniel saying, Hey, look, I'll put, I'll trust you guys more. I'll give you guys more opportunities. Y'all go make the plays. And that means catching the football, uh, which they did not do on the road at Auburn. So uh, I do expect, I think that LSU's passing offense will look better this week because I think that Daniels knows you got to just take a little, you got to start being a little bit more risky with the football. And I know that's an odd thing to preach to a quarterback in a conference where you're like, if you can just protect the football, you can win a lot of games, but sometimes that, as Brian Kelly said, sometimes being overprotective with the football, especially in the passing game, becomes a bit of a hindrance more than a help. And that's kind of, I feel like the crossroads we're at right now. Yeah. I, I real quickly earlier in the week. So after we did the podcast, the players had their uh, interviews on Tuesday. I thought it was interesting. Malik neighbors talked about the receivers and he kind of took some onus on his, himself was we have to do a better job with the route running which is kind of what we saw in the Auburn game I think both of us were like the receivers didn't get separated. they were never open like they didn't feel like the receivers were like it's not like they were running wide open down here and Jaden just didn't throw them the ball they were very very tight windows for the most part if he was going to throw the ball into them and I thought it was interesting Malik actually took a lot of responsibility in the route running and how fit how effective they were they were running their routes so that's it's it is to me still a two-way street i know a lot of people just want to make it a one-way street to where it's jaden daniels done 100 it's a it's a two-way street with like a median in the middle with denbrock and it's 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 on everybody for me at this point so that's going to be the interesting thing because you have to be able to throw the ball against tennessee because like i said i thought the run defense was actually pretty good from from them um 
All right, you ready for breakout breakout candidates, breakout players? Well, let's do it. Um, what are we going one on each side, one on each or side are we going one? Um, okay. You you going back to the Keishon well? I've been I've been on the Keishon well a few times now, and I've dumped my bucket down in there and come up with nothing, and I, I don't want to get off him right now. I, I'm gonna say I think Jaden I think Jaden Daniels has a good game. Okay, I'll go Jaden Daniels. I think he has a good game. I think that he's already proven he can be efficient in terms of like completion percentage, all that. Now I think if he's able to balance in some shots downfield, and um, certainly Denbrock and the offense are going to find ways to get the ball into the hands of Butte and neighbors and them, whether that's like design sweeps or whatever it might be screens quick passes uh and i think that that'll get Jaden into a little bit of a rhythm and i think Jaden, like Jaden's, like started 30 something college games like he knows right now that people are saying not like fans like his coaches are saying dude just pull the trigger throw it throw yeah. it his receivers now are saying like just throw it we'll make the plays don't worry about it. we'll make the plays like i think this one sets up against a a game A, they're going to have to score, and B, the Tennessee passing defense is not that good. It's like their their weakness. This is the it's a now or never type, not like never, but like this is the opportunity for LSU to put up some passing game numbers. So I'll go Jaden. I agree. I was battling. I I just I was thinking about Jack Best, but I just don't think that they're prioritizing him at this moment um, in the passing game. So I'm gonna stick with Malik Neighbors. I think Malik is the go-to guy for uh, Jaden. I think we saw that with the Mississippi State game, and I, I believe that will be the case uh, this week as well. As much as they want to get Kayshawn involved, and that's been a point of emphasis, at the end of the day, Jaden Daniels is the one making the decisions, and I think that uh, Neighbors will be the guy, the main recipient of that, whether that's five or six catches, you know, five or six catches, 80, 80 yards or so. I, I feel pretty good about Neighbors at least being – the safe option for them. Because as as their offense progresses, you want to see less targets to Mason Taylor, which we've talked about before. And while Malik Neighbors is more explosive, he is still kind of that safe. I, I think he's the safest target of the receivers for Daniels at this point. So for that reason, I'll go Malik Neighbors. All right. I like it. Um, and this will be the game Kayshawn puts up 100 and something, and I didn't pick him. But you know what? <laughs> That's all right. I'm moving on because I've had – a lot of confidence in my defensive pick, B.J. Ojolari. With Mason Smith out, he's the best player on your defense. We saw at Auburn he can change the game like that with the strip sack that resulted in Jay Ward's scoop and score. I feel like he's dialed in. I feel like he's healthy after kind of resting up a couple of the non-con games. Uh, and I think this is just a game that he comes out and has a big one. I don't know. I just – I get the feeling that – he knows kind of that he knows he's got to make plays for this defense to be able to be at the level that they want to play at that house wants to hold him accountable to. And I think he's the 18. He's your leader on that side and recruiting tie in BJ flipped his commitment from Tennessee to LSU. So maybe mm. some extra juice in this one. I don't know. Mm. That was a few years ago. So maybe he doesn't care about I that like anymore. It. I like it. <laughs> Probably forgot about it at this point, honestly. But hundred percent. I had forgotten about it until I just thought about it just then. Um, I'm gonna go with Makai Gardner. And 
I saw a Pro Football Focus, which I don't treat PFF as like the Bible of college football by any means. I think there's obviously some flaws in their ratings, but I I think Makai Garner has been really good this year, and I'm not sure he's been talked about enough. Um, Pro PFF has him as the highest rated SEC cornerback this year to this point at an 84.4 rating, which if you know PFF, that's really high for them. Um, I thought he was good in the Florida State game besides the obviously the reverse touchdown pass that was really good in the Mississippi State game. And, um, you know, as a secondary, they had some busts against Auburn, but I didn't put that on him specifically. If if Cedric Tillman is back for Tennessee, he could be someone who is on him a lot of the times. And for those who don't know, Cedric Tillman, their best wide receiver, uh, missed the missed the last game um he's been trying to come back he's um i believe it was a leg injury of some sort i forgot what it was ankle leg whatever but he's gone been going through walkthroughs uh he's been lightly practicing i haven't heard anything from hypo since then about cedric tillman but if they get him back it's one of the 10 15 best receivers in the country so that obviously changes the dynamic of the game but kai Gardner, to me whether tillman is there or not is going to once again, have a really good game. And if that results in an interception, I don't know if that results in him not being targeted. That's just as good. To me. So give me Makai Gardner on defense for a guy who I think has been really good this year. And I think he'll have another good game. Yeah, that was a massive question, Mark. I questioned it. Even in fall camp, I was like, look, the corners are patchwork transfers. Like everyone yeah. was coming from UL and Oklahoma State and McNeese and um, – probably forgetting someone in there uh who's Ohio the State order. seven Ohio State seven that's right um so I just didn't know how it would work out and Garner Garner's played really really above the level that I thought that he would play at and to even have like you said PFF not the bible but to hold a score that high means he's done something right yeah. um and, and he just hasn't given up anything like you mentioned the Florida State bus like that was one play at the start of the season. Like since then, nobody's like picking on him during games. So um, yeah, I like that pick. All right. So I went Ojolari and Daniels. You went Malik and Garner as our guys to watch impact players. Uh, what's up next? Uh, predictions or if you want to do kind of a one thing to watch, I thought we kind of did that in the, when we previewed it, but um, I mean, real quick, I mean, my, my one thing to watch would be, it's up front. It's it's up front for me. It has to be one of the offensive or defensive lines. I said coming in, I, I I'll, I'll go LSU's offensive line against Tennessee's defensive line because I thought Tennessee's defensive line gave Florida a lot of trouble, and I don't think Florida's offensive line is as good as LSU's. But if you think about it, LSU obviously we have the two starting freshman tackles. We have Dellinger with a club on his hand. You have Charles Turner who. I think rightfully so. There are question marks about his size going into the teeth of SEC play. And so you got some question marks on LSU's offensive line and a Tennessee defensive line that I think is probably the strength of its defense to this point. You have Byron Young up there, some talented guys. So, um, you know, the offensive line for LSU is going to kind of determine whether they can run the ball, whether Jaden gets time. I, I'm, I'm going to go with LSU's offensive line against Tennessee's defensive line. Okay, I'll go with the ability or inability to start fast uh, or start at all because in the three games that mattered, Florida State, Auburn, and Mississippi State, LSU started slow, and that defined pretty much the game. Now they came back and won against State and Auburn. Auburn stinks. 
State, they just did a great job of buckling in and bouncing back in that game. They put it on offensively, put numbers up. But Tennessee's – and then they lost the Florida State game. It cost them. Yeah. Tennessee's better than all three of those teams offensively. If you come out and don't score, or like you have like three points in the first half or whatever, like you're probably not going to win. Tennessee will just put up more points than you're able to play catch up on. So starting fast for me is key. And I'll say, Maddie B, this is like what people on the Tennessee side are saying, something to watch at least. A, they're coming off a of bye week, so they're rested. B, and I know this is something like, watch, remember me saying this because I've asked around and heard this. Brian Kelly, maybe they did at Notre Dame, but they don't hear like LSU practices after school. So like from like 3.30 to 5.30 or 6, yeah. right? Uh, he's trying to get it. And I bet next year they'll have it to where LSU practices in the mornings. And But, you know, obviously you come in right now as a coaching change and yeah, it's tough to flip everybody's class schedule and all that. Hypo and them practice every day at like 9 a.m. So Tennessee's mm-hmm. saying that, hey, look, morning games are good for our team because they're used to being out there every day at 9 a.m. going through the motions. Maybe that does mean something. I think it just means that Tennessee will be able to kind of have their legs under them and start normally because they are used to that. And whether that matters or not for LSU, I don't know, but it's just one more thing that I point to and I say, LSU does not do a good job of starting fast. And now you're playing a team at 11 a.m. that's used to practicing at 11 a.m. that knows kind of how to get up early and get after it. And that's just one more added element. And they're coming off a bye week, so they're rested. Um, I just, God, I just think it's so important, LSU. Find a way to start fast. And Maddie B, if you start fast in this one, like if LSU goes up 7-0, 10-3, 14-3, something like that, like, all the pressure in the world goes on to Tennessee. And then I think that can kind of really help shrink the game down. And then you play a little bit more clock possession, things like that. You do not want to fall behind here and then think, okay, well, we just got to go tempo and try to like score with them. Like that's not the recipe. That's a recipe for disaster in this one. So more so than any game yet, they have to score points in the first quarter. Like you've got to get on the board. Yeah. Um. As far as predictions go, I think um, we'll have our prediction pieces coming up later today. And honestly, I don't, I do not have a score in my head right now, so I'm not going to ask you to give a score. So yeah, I don't know. But as I, I don't, I don't, I, I over the next two or three hours, I'll have one. I finished writing the final lines piece um, this morning, so that'll be up for those listening. Go check out on check that out on the site. I'm one three straight weeks, three straight. I went three and zero last week in in my picks on in in the LSU game alone. So hey. We're doing well. We're doing well over there. We're doing well. Um, that Jaden, but, that Jaden Russian prop hit, and he didn't even play the fourth quarter. Still right? hitting. <laughs> right. Shout out to him. But, anyways, I say that because I did all this analysis of the games. I've looked at the lines and everything, and I'm still here, like very uncertain. Very uncertain. I do think playing at home for LSU is a big, big deal. Playing at home at 11 a.m. is a big deal. I think uh, sold out crowd. It's gonna be. Awesome environment. I think LSU will play better at home. Like most times people handicap games, you know, it's three, four points advantage for playing at home. And I think LSU takes advantage of all of those points there. So with that being the case, LSU, you know, as a three point dog makes sense to me on paper. 
but I think this is the best defense Tennessee has played to this point. Well, I know it's the best defense they've played to this point. And if they can get off to a decent start offensively and not have a bagel a quarter and a half into a game, I think they have a good shot of winning this. So I'm probably going to pick LSU to win this game. And I feel pretty good about it at this point. I predicted LSU to win this game before the season. Um, and Tennessee is the team that I thought they would be. Like I thought that they would have a very high-powered offense, but that you could get over them on defense, and that appears to be who they are. They're a top-ten team, obviously, and really playing well out of the gate, so maybe a little bit better than I thought. I'm, I may stick with picking LSU here, and I'm with you. I'm glad you brought up one thing we just didn't talk about yet. Playing at home, even at 11 a.m., is massive here. I think the crowd's going to be into it. I think that can put Tennessee on their heels a bit. And then that, uh, in a way, can kind of slow down, um, you know, the what Tennessee's done so far and make this just about this game. And if you've got Tennessee in any sort of survival mode in this one, I think that bodes well for LSU. You, you want to put all the pressure on the undefeated top 10 team that's coming in with the best offense who should win, who's favored. If they get behind early, I think that then you start to see, okay, Tennessee, we've got them on their heels. We're controlling a little bit of this game, but again, that all goes back to starting quickly. I'll say this over under is at 65 points. Mm-hmm. I don't think it hits that. I think that this is going to like, all of Tennessee's games so far against like the pit and let's just say pit in Florida had been like 30 something to 30 something or like 40 to 30 something. Yeah. I, I think this one's a little bit tighter on defense in a way, but really I just think that both, I don't think this game is going to go as fast as people look at Tennessee on paper and the stats and say, Oh man, this one, they're going to be putting up points nonstop. Like I think this one will be more in the 20 something to 20 something or even 24, 17 type. Like I know that doesn't match the over under, but, and that's pretty far under it. I'm just, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I don't think this turns into some like 40 something to 20 something game. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Check out the final lines. Check out the final lines. Check out, check out the final lines coming coming out at probably like 12 o'clock so uh, are you going the other way you left me no 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 no. i'm i'm with you i'm with you okay i think the under i think the under is the right play uh there i I, 65 is a lot and i think the only way that happens is if tennessee hit 40 um in which case yeah me too like like 40 to 28 you know 40 or 38 20 or something like that and i i think this lsu defense is too good to allow 38 points to anybody. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be a 30-something to 30-something game because I just don't. Like, I don't think the LSU defense would allow 30-something while simultaneously scoring that much on offense. So Imagine how much would have to go wrong for both defenses to allow 30 points each. Like uh, Allowing this Jaden Daniels LSU offense to put up 35 on you seems like a tall task. Like They only did it to Mississippi State. Mississippi State fumbled the ball on like the 10, you know. Things went wrong. Things went right. So, it, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's it's a tough tough game to really predict. Uh, we'll have our predictions on the site coming soon uh, this evening. So check those out. And um, yeah, I think that's all we got. That's I don't I didn't back out. I didn't you know. When, this isn't us backing out of predictions. We'll have our predictions on the site, but I, I think I'll take LSU probably. 
Okay, I'll go LSU in the under, and I'll change my mind later. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna parlay those together, you know? No, oh. no, don't be parlaying anything, kids. You'll win nothing. Keep those bets hey. single. Wise words, wise words from Shay Dixon. No parlays here. No, don't no. Do it, sometimes kids. I get bored. And I, sometimes I get bored. <laughs> well, of course. That's. I mean, I'm getting bored all the time. I'm doing damn exact score predictions of the Thursday night football game a couple weeks ago. Let's be real. Just trying to teach everybody from my mistakes. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I get bored, who knows what happened? I might tease something up and you know just go crazy on on the app. But hey, don't 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 parlay. Don't parlay. But all right, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, we hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Um, I'm working to get the the internet fixed, so on my side. But the audio is the most important thing. So we got that worked out, and. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah, you sounded good. Sound, sounded good. That's all that matters. That's all that matters, right? That's why they come here. But the information, uh, you can become a dollar or a dollar, a subscriber for one dollar on the site still. I still got the hat right here, ready to pull up and go. Um, one dollar for an entire year for the Bengal Tiger on three sites. Um had a lot of people join. A lot of people interact with us on the board. We really appreciate all that. Subscribe to the YouTube page if you haven't already. Um, it's blowing up. It's doing a great job. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed, who likes the videos and all that stuff. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and review if you listen to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, and you don't know what I'm talking about when I say the, the video aspect of hasn't been great for me. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get all that worked out, and we appreciate